you're just starting out, very basic, just to gain some of those insights. Again, I would say maybe take two weeks just to have some notes and gather some insight and then just choose somewhere to start. And what we typically recommend is give yourself 90 days. So you, you have to try it consistently. So if you decide, hey, I'm going to post on LinkedIn two times a week, and these are the things that I'm going to talk about. You have to try that out consistently to see if it's going to work. You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hey, welcome back to the show. Today, we are diving into marketing because when all of a sudden you're the one in charge, guess what? You are marketing. I know right now in my business, I am our accountant, our digital marketer, our email copywriter, our social media creator, a recruiter, business development. I'm everything, right? And so when all of a sudden you're the one in charge, marketing can be a little bit overwhelming. And I'm really excited today because I am joined by a guest who specializes in creating marketing. And I think listening to the show, for me, it was refreshing to get her take on why taking the time to create the strategy is so critical to actually building the nice pretty stuff that you see out there. And so really excited for you to listen in today. I'm joined by Micah Williamson. She is a professional storyteller and creative strategist with a background in journalism, digital marketing, and content strategy. She holds a bachelor's in journalism and fashion media, as well as an MBA with a focus on strategy and entrepreneurship from Southern Methodist University in Dallas. During her MBA journey, Micah placed and won a $5,000 prize at the SMU Business Plan Pitch Competition. She also lent her expertise to organizations like Invesco Real Estate and the Dallas Hearing Foundation, helping them define their brand strategies and explore new markets. As an advocate for entrepreneurs and creatives, Micah has served as a committee chair for the Dallas Entrepreneur Center and a funding panelist for the City of Dallas Office of Arts and Culture. Additionally, her four-year tenure as a high school educator has enriched her ability to create inclusive content and engage diverse learning styles. She currently leads her own business, Micah Raquel Consulting, where she leverages her skills in strategic storytelling to help B2B service providers in healthcare, finance, and tech build trust, drive engagement, and increase sales via social media, email, and website marketing. Super excited for you guys to hear from her. And I know you're going to leave with a different perspective on marketing, entrepreneurship in some way. Can you give listeners a little bit of background about how you got into the entrepreneurial lifestyle, whatever that might be? (laughs) Yes. So what I always tell people is this was definitely not the plan. So I did not have this big idea that I really wanted to hone in on and make my own. I actually, right after my MBA program, I took a position at a startup that we could use an entire episode to talk about. (laughs) I'm sure we could go back and forth on startup learnings and lessons. Yes. So to make a very long story short, the founders went on the up. And there was a lot of kind of basically fraudulent things going on in the back end. And so I was in a position where I really just needed to survive. And so 
my background is in journalism and I had already done kind of a bunch of creative projects in my community. Um, and my network was pretty strong at the time, especially since I had just finished my MBA program. So I really just casted a net and I said, hey guys, here's a position that I'm in. If you have any projects that you can send my way, please let me know. And that's how the business was born. At the time, I was just taking random projects. People needed social media management, a press release written, a site redone, anything that they needed. I was like, sure, as long as you can cut the chat, then I'll take the work. And so that's really honestly how it started. And over time, what I actually did is I was working with an executive coach at the time. And so we had a conversation. She said, are you going to continue doing these freelance projects? Or are you going to go back into trying to find a full-time job? Because again, I had just done this out of survival. And so I was like, I don't know, like maybe I need the security of having a corporate role or getting some of that experience before I go out on my own. And she said, let's try both. Here's an action plan. We're going to create an action plan for you to just test out both paths and see where it leads. And so that's what I did. And so the business just took over and took off in its own special way. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be serious about this. So I did all the things. I set up the LLC, the business bank account. I got my bookkeeper. I did all the things so I can make it legit. Because I was like, if this is going to be the career path that we choose, like we need to make sure that we have the right foundation from the start. And so that's how Microkill Consulting was born. That's amazing. How long has it been? Believe it or not, I'm wrapping up my third year in December. So we'll be stepping into year four in 2024. That's awesome. I'm coming up on year three myself. And it's, you, I don't know about you, but you're like, how has it been? How did years? I get here? And also, <laughs> I feel like at this point, I'm like unemployable. I don't know that I could ever go back to working for somebody else. That's what I tell people too. I'm like, at this point, I'd make a horrible employee. You know what? We just got to stick with totally, it. Totally. Now that you've come out the other side too, yeah. I'm sure you can. I mm. actually think it's more stable to do your own. As somebody who's laid off people at almost every place I've ever worked, there's not stability. There's stability in betting on yours a lot of times. I don't know if you feel that same way. Oh, for sure. You know what? I have had this re revelation, especially this year. I was telling my else the other day, I said, whenever now I have a challenge, I'm just like, okay, let's get in the ring and let's wrestle with this thing. We got to figure it out. I'm not scared of it necessarily. It's all just about what's going to be the creative solution that I can come up with. Sometimes it's scary a little bit, but it's like now it's like more like, okay, what's the challenge that's going to yeah. build me up this time? So that's the mentality that I'm like, you know, slowly developing. When people say you have to fall in love with building a business, that. I feel that way now, but like, I think it's fun to build a business. And it's not just about the thing that I do for my client, actually like building the business. It's fun. And you getting an MBA, you would agree. I'm curious, <laughs> do you feel like you learned more in your MBA program or more? That's a great question. So I will say this in undergrad, I studied journalism and I tell people all the time, I feel like that set a huge foundation for what I do now. Because as a journalist, what do you do? You have to go out, you have to talk to a bunch of people, you have to gather a bunch of information, and you have all this data, you have all these people that you talk to, and you've got to figure out how to package this into something that people will understand, that people will be either entertained by or to be informative for a particular audience. And I feel like that's very much what I do now in yeah. marketing. However, I think my MBA program is what gave me the frameworks to be able to think through problems strategically. So I will say that I think a lot of the kind of academic part just helped me in terms of like how to think. 
But I mean, there's nothing that can prepare you more than just doing. And so that's where I think the journey with entrepreneurship comes in because you take all of these things and you're testing and trying and failing and innovating and pivoting and all these things and you lean on those tools to do that. So I guess it's a combination of, of everything. Yeah. I mean, the doing, there is no substitute for doing, but I think having those tools and having those experiences really um, have, I think, brought me more of a competitive edge in terms of how I approach problems. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I'm probably so when I look back, but tell us what, how has your business evolved and what do you do Ooh. now? Like I said, okay, in the beginning, I was doing just everything. So I was doing social media management. That's really a lot of what I was doing. I thought it's actually what I wanted to do. But the reality is that I really liked crafting the story and the strategy that needed to be told from an overall perspective, not just what today's social media post is going to be. And so now what I do is I'm really more on like the brand story development, target audience development content strategy development. So whether you're a a small team or a larger organization, you have the blueprint for how to approach telling your story across digital channels. And so the channels that I focus primarily on are social media, email marketing, as well as website content. And so I provide strategies for, okay, here's the overall narrative that we've crafted together. Now, what does it look like whenever you share this story on email? How often do you need to share this email or how often do you need to share your story on um, social media or where on your website now can we implement those different messages that we know are going to resonate with our targets? So that's the approach now that I take versus being like an order taker or just a social media manager. But it's really about getting to the root of who the organization is and what story they want to tell to that audience. So listeners to the show are maybe listening and being like, great, all that sounds awesome. How do I do it in a scrappy way if I'm a small business owner? And so do you have any tips on where to start? Well, I imagine a mistake people make, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that they just jump into making social media content. I did this. I will I did it too. Say show there. So I'm assuming that's a mistake. <laughs> so what should I have done differently? Or where yes. do people start if they're all of a sudden a solopreneur and like, oh God, I got to do marketing. I don't even know where to start. Maybe yes. I just won't do it. So don't do that. <laughs> don't not do it. But I say, so the first thing is just, I think what we are typically told or what our natural approach is to be like, okay, I have a business. I need to have a website. I need to have, you want to check this, what we call like checkbox marketing or like checklisting. I need to have a LinkedIn page. I need to have a website. I need to have, you just go down the list and you say, okay, I need to have all these things. But the reality is that you don't need to be everywhere for everyone all the time. Because at the end of the day, your product or solves a specific problem and it's for a specific group of people who are trying to solve that problem. And so it just makes, just in terms of approaching it from a more strategic standpoint, is what I typically tell my clients to do is first go out. If you can't go out and talk to people, maybe just create some kind of survey to talk to the people that you want to serve and ask them, what are their challenges? What are you Googling when you're trying to solve this problem? Just really basic information. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have those insights, you're just guessing. And even if you can't do a survey, bare minimum, let's just do a, a Google search that says, what is the average salary for millennials. Okay. We can have a data point that's going to give us some type of information. So I always say do the research first. So typically what I'm looking at is like, where are some of the trends that are happening in your industry? 
What are your competitors doing? What platforms are your competitors on? What platforms are your competitors not on? Is that an opportunity for you to maybe own the conversation on that platform? So that's really where I say start is do that research in say is I use a framework that I've developed called the numbers to narrative framework. And it's basically you're using the numbers to craft the story. We don't just tell a story because it sounds nice. We tell a story because it's informed by data. And it's meant to reach a particular group of people or speak to a specific industry. So that's where I always say is a starting point. It is not the fun part. (laughs) It takes a lot of time. Sometimes I have Google Docs that are like three or four pages long that have different like statistics around a specific industry or specific group of people. Or sometimes I'm looking at reports. And so that part is not fun, but it will save you a lot of time and money when it comes to building content. Because a lot of times that means you're just shooting in the dark and, and really hoping that you hit something. So that's the approach that I always say to take first. And again, it's not sexy. It's not fun, but it is I mean, so necessary um, to really make sure that you're on the right track. It's never fun to set up some of those systems or those process in any function. Marketing at least has a sexy edge most of the time. <laughs> HR never does. Yeah, marketing actually sounds more fun, I think, totally. than it actually is if you're doing it right. Because mm. the reality is that the creativity, the design, all that stuff, it should happen until all of that other strategy work has been done. So that's the bulk of making sure that what you're doing is right. Then you get to the fun part, but that's, again, only a smart of the process. But I think for you to really enjoy that process and for you to really get your return on that process, you have to do the steps before. It also reminds me of a a podcast episode I just recorded with another guest yesterday. She helps develop sales processes, right? And so much of marketing and sales overlap. For sure. The same. It's it's just so much work. Like, do the work up front to know who you're speaking to and save yourself the time. A hundred percent. Absolutely. So a question that I would have then is, well, I'll ask this. You may or may not know because it's still so new. How, where can AI tools like ChatGPT help with some of the research gathering? Have you explored that and has it been useful? I think there's such a conversation around using AI for marketing. I would imagine it's similar to HR. It's a good helper. It's not a good replacement. And so I'm curious your thoughts on where that can fall into some of the research. Yes, absolutely. I am like a chat GPT queen, but also as a journalist and as a writer, I also get frustrated with it, but it is a fabulous idea generator. I've gotten actually really good at certain types of prompts and getting this uh, software, the different types of requests that I make, but I think it's an incredible tool for also organizing information. Because I do a lot of strategy work, a lot of what I am delivering clients are decks or frameworks that have like maybe key takeaway or like different pillars of information. And so a lot of times I'll have just so many notes from different strategy sessions. And I have with my business brain, then I have a lot of frameworks that I use And so I can really just dump my notes and say, hey, okay, this is a framework. Here's the client. And it's a long prompt. (laughs) It gets a little flowery, but it has saved me so much time in terms of organizing information. Again, we're still doing the heavy lifting of researching and finding the information. But now I can cut down some time when it comes to actually packaging the information into 
a deliverable that's going to make sense to the client. So I use it a lot for outlines and things like that for decks or again, placing things into to framework. Especially when it comes to social media or content strategy, it's great for once you've developed the strategy to say, here's my strategy. What would be some great social media ideas? So once you do the heavy lifting again, then you can really leverage a lot of these AI tools because the thing is they're only as good as the information that you give them. So if you give them generic information, you're going to get back generic information. But if you give the data point and the key points of information that need to be included, it can really do a lot of magic in terms of packaging it into to something that's easily digestible for the client. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about using it in that way. I'm sure I could probably use it that for my some of my stuff too. I think what I'm from that, it'll... If you are a listener to the show and you're, you don't have a crafted marketing strategy or plan, it's probably not going to be as helpful for you as hiring somebody like you to help develop your marketing strategy and then leveraging them is what I'm hearing. And so if you are listening to the show and you're like, well, I've tried it and I'm not getting the results, it's probably because you're missing the, the higher level strategy and free that, that you just don't know. So no shame, no, no fault. You just don't know. No, I mean. absolutely. And that is actually what I do with a lot of clients is I sometimes I come in, do an audit, build out the plan, build out the calendars, build out the automation, build out the everything. And then I say, here you go. And they're like, great, I can manage this. A lot of times that's not the case because I give them a lot of things. They're like, ah, maybe we should have you do it. But there are other times where once you have the blueprint, it's really just a matter of if you have the time to actually implement it consistently. And so I think that's where it comes in, where you have to make that decision of whether you're going to own doing that or if you need to outsource it to someone else. Yeah, for sure. But I do think small business owners and entrepreneurs often roll and hire assistants or social media people, and they tend to hire entry-level people without having the strategy in place first. And I always think it's so important to hire experts who can help you craft a strategy and then you can figure out how to implement it. And it sounds like the same would for setting up a marketing plan. And what I love about our conversation, marketing, there's a lot of branding people and creative people out there. One thing that I'm hearing you I don't hear a lot from marketing experts is the importance of strategy. And I feel like it's so many branding experts and that I know and I'm not like criticize them, but they talk about the importance of good photos and image fonts and color. And I really appreciate about you that you're talking more about like strategy and tactical work. I'm curious your thing, like where the colors and, and all of that comes into. That's my, I don't want to say my favorite part, but I guess it is the most fun part. The strategy part really does like tingle a very special part of my brain. But the creative part, that is the natural in me. I did a magazine here in Dallas for three years. And so I love layout and design. And there's a ton of psychology behind why we use certain colors why things need to be spaced out a certain way. There's a ton of science behind that. But again, how do you know what to decide on as best for your audience if you haven't gained those insights? I think that what will separate marketers and branding folks over time, I hear this a lot when I start to work with clients is we got somebody to do this really great video and we have great photos we have, but they're not translating to anything. And so that's the difference between being marketing versus you just being a really great photographer is somebody can have a really great eye just for 
what things might should look like artistic. But if that is not, again, geared towards your specific audience or it's, it's not positioned on the right platform, then it's going to fall flat. I think that does have a, a place, but its place is not until you've done that research and kind of gain those insights, ask those questions. Then you can bring those things back. So as you say, here's my audience. My audience are millennials who live in New York that work out three or four times a week and love to juice. Okay. Now we can create a story or a narrative behind, like, I can see that person. I can see a millennial living in New York who works out a lot drinking juice. And you can put the pieces in of that story and say, okay, where would they shop? Or what are the things? So then you can really start to think about the language that they speak, the clothes that they wear. And of course, you're making a lot of generalizations. And so that is where being mindful of, especially like DEI practices in marketing and making sure you're not really stereotyping a group of people, but really what you are is based on data. Okay. So if listeners are like, okay, yeah, I need to go back to the drawing board. I need a hard reset. I need to get my strategy in place before I continue to dance around on reels and do all of these things. How long realistically does it take for a business to create a marketing strategy? Like how long should they expect this to, to take to do it well? So that's a great question. I think the first thing that business owners, especially if you're a small business owner, is just be honest about your capacity. If you are a one woman or even two woman show, you're probably wearing lots of different hats. And so I would say don't overwhelm yourself again with trying to be everywhere all at, for everyone all at once. So what I would say is maybe take two weeks to really look at what's going on in your industry, who some of your competitors are. and when I say competitors, be specific about where your competitors will be. So if you are local, look at who your local competitors are. If you're an e-commerce brand, be specific about who your e-commerce competitors are. Or if you are planning to go national or things like that. So make sure you look at those different levels. So look at your industry, look at your competitors, and then develop just a little bit of your story. So start with the why. Why is it that you got into this business? Why do you want to do this work? And then be specific about the value that you add. And then... <laughs> Target audience development, I do think you need some help with. <laughs> so I think if you're just starting out, I would say just do that basic research and develop your story and then just choose one platform. Just choose one platform that you want to start on. And hopefully through your research and things like that, you'll have a little bit of intuition in terms of what that should be. I would agree. And I think I remember earlier on in the episode, I don't mean to cut you off, but like when you're looking at competitors, you're looking at how they're marketing, like where they're showing up online. What different things are we looking for? Yes. So look at where they're showing up online and also look at how well they're showing up online. So there are a lot of organizations who have a presence somewhere, but if you look a little closer, it's not consistent or there's really no engagement with it. So in terms of those things, now, again, you can't see things on the back end of like their website or their email channels, but you can do a pretty basic social media overview in terms of different channels where, you know, where people are. And there are some like software and things like that. But again, if you're just starting out very basic just to gain some of those insights. Again, I would say maybe take two weeks just to have some notes and gather some insight and then just choose somewhere to start. And what we typically recommend is give yourself 90 days. 
So you, you have to try it consistently. So if you decide, hey, I'm going to post on LinkedIn two times a week, and these are the things that I'm going to talk about. You have to try that out consistently to see if it's going to work. If you only try it for a week or two, or maybe you're only doing it here and there, and then you get to the end of the quarter, you're like, well, I don't see any results. My first question is always going to be like, okay, you have this plan. How well would you say you stuck to it? Because you can't gather data if the experiment wasn't done right. So that's really what I would recommend in terms of taking that time and just starting. But when you get to a point where you really do want to have a multi-channel integrated marketing strategy, not where you're just showing up on LinkedIn two times a week, that's when you typically want to work with a marketing strategist because you know your core business and what it takes to do that. But when it comes to building out an integrated marketing strategy that takes into consideration all the different platforms and how they work together, you want somebody who is just as much of an expert as you are in that area. And so that typically what I would recommend is like when you get to that point where you really one want to make that investment, then I would say, call me. Well, that was going to be my next question would be if someone's listening to the show and they're like, okay, I'm ready for this. And she seems like someone I want to be doing this with. Where can listeners go to learn how to work with you and learn from you? Yes. So I would say two ways. I show up a ton on LinkedIn. That's where a lot of my meteor content is. And then uh, on my website, microraquel.consulting, you can look at the range of different services that I offer from trainings and workshops all the way to full-blown strategy engagement. And there is a, a way to contact me on the website, but I would love to just be connected, especially with everybody. Like I said, on LinkedIn, that's where a lot of my really valuable content is. Awesome. Well, that's where I'm showing up more too. So I'll make sure that we're connected there if we're not. I really appreciate you coming on the show and giving, I think, a unique perspective and a much needed different perspective on marketing and why doing the not sexy part of marketing first is so important to actually seeing success in the fun and creative stuff. So thank you for bringing that. And I know listeners definitely learned a lot. Yes. No, thank you so much. I really nerd out about this stuff. So I'm glad that we got a chance to, to talk about it. Thank you so much for having me, Jackie. That's a wrap on another episode of Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now, because guess what? You're the boss now. You listen to the show because you care about doing the people stuff right in your business, and I commend you for that. At my company, People Principles, our mission is to help more small businesses succeed, and we believe that building a thriving, high-performing team with the right systems in place is crucial to making that happen. That's why we've got our incredible toolkit shop. It's your one-stop destination for everything HR and team related. Each toolkit is loaded with everything we've ever done in-house with high growth startups from hiring processes to performance management to handbooks. It's all there. And we've built these toolkits specifically with you in mind, the small business owner, because what you need at 10 to 30 people is very different from what you need over a hundred people. So don't wait and head over to peopleprinciples.co forward slash toolkits and explore our complete people operations toolkits. It's like having an HR expert in your back pocket walking you through the journey to building a thriving team and a thriving business.